Welcome back. Oh, is my mic on? Uh, yep, it is. Okay. Uh, welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris is out for the night, but I am joined now by uh, Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff Mayor Paul Haru. Mayor Haru, thanks for joining us. Oh, wow. Sorry, your mic wasn't on. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for having me on, Marcus. I'll get the hang of this one day. So uh, you're running uh, as a as a Democrat mm -hmm. um, for Bristol County Sheriff. Uh, just introduce yourself. to. I know you've been on my uh, old show before, but introduce yourself to the audience and, and uh, tell us why you're running to be Bristol County Sheriff. Yeah. So um, well, my name is Paul Hero. I'm the mayor of Attleboro. I'm in my third and final term as mayor, and it's self-imposed term limits. I campaigned on doing either two or maybe three terms as mayor, and so now I'm in my third term, so it's time to move on. You know, I've had a good run as mayor. Um, got reelected with 66% in November last year, and uh, two years before that, I got reelected with 67%, so I've done well in Attleboro. Uh, but I used to work in jail, and I used to work in prison. I worked in the Philadelphia jail system, which is actually called Philadelphia prison system, but it's a county jail. And I worked for the Mass Department of Correction as director of research. Um, but I, after correct, working in corrections, I ran for state rep and then uh, ran for mayor, and now I'm running for sheriff. And the reason I'm running, um, I felt a sense of obligation. I felt a sense of urgency to run for this seat. Uh, some folks from Bristol County for Correctional Justice, particularly Marlene Pollock, she mm -hmm. um, recruited me to run for this. Uh, she really impressed upon me the importance of this. And you know, after spending some time talking with her and you know, looking at what's going on. Um, I, I thought we can do better. You know, there's, um, you know, you've, we have different styles of running a jail, um, you know, man, different management styles. And, you know, the um, attitude that, uh, the, the perspective that the current sheriff brings to the office is, I'm going to make life miserable for you. And if you don't like it, don't come back. You know, right. that's, that's how I'm going to reduce recidivism. Uh, that's his approach. Um, I, I'm a, I don't think that works. I worked in jail. I worked in prison, master's in criminology. You know, there's no research that shows that that approach is actually going to reduce reoffending recidivism. Yeah, and so I want to run a more rehabilitative, uh, a more modern jail system, a more you know that really focuses on measuring the programs, make sure they actually work. Current sheriff doesn't do that. He's never done that in 25 years, and really focus on discharge planning with a uh, particular emphasis on uh, housing, healthcare. And a job, you know, have so when inmates are being released, they have a reason for hope when they go back into society that they're going to do uh, better. So, you know, I want to I want to run a different jail, you know, different have a different approach to things. We're speaking with Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. Uh, we'll be taking your calls too if you want to call in at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But uh, Mayor Haru, you, you've got a it, there is a primary for the right to face Sheriff Hodgson. Um, I know a lot of uh, local Democrats feel it's. Uh, you know, I think the top uh, electoral priority um, in in this region, at least. And so, what distinguishes you from the other candidates in the field in the Democrat and the the primary a Democratic primary? Well, in this case, the sheriff is primary job is to run a jail, and you know the law allows the sheriff to do other um, law enforcement activities, but the primary function is to run the county jail, uh, care, custody, control, and rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, I'm the only candidate that has a background in corrections. I worked in the Philadelphia jail system, worked in the mass prison system. The other two are fine people. They have their own uh, different sets of experience, but I've got experience working in a jail. I'm the only one that has um, run a campaign successfully um, and been elected. Uh, I've never lost a race. You know, one of the other two has never won a race. The other one's never run in a race. So if you look at, you know, the... Um, that I bring to the table management as mayor, 
legislative experiences, state rep, um, campaign experience, being elected, and you know the corrections experience. I have a complete package of um, you know a, the complete background to run for this, and to offer you know the voters a really strong alternative to the uh, the incumbent sheriff. Now, you know, my other two uh, Democratic opponents in the primary, they're both good people. You know, they, they can't check all those boxes like I can. You know, the, one of them was a police chief, um, but police doesn't have anything to do with running a jail. I mean, it's, it's you know, law enforcement job. You know, he does have the management experience. Um, I arguably have a greater level of management experience as mayor. You know, I, I oversee a 65, I'm sorry, $165 million budget with a lot more employees. And I oversee a police department that was bigger than his, the police department. You know, I oversee the police chief and you know the um, I deal with the you know police issues almost done daily basis with the you know with the chief you know so that it's you know a great you know that that level of experience you know but I also have that background in corrections background in campaigning winning a campaign and um you know it, it's you know having been elected as well being a politician being accountable directly to the people and not having a boss so the other two folks are fine people but you know they uh don't have that same level of of in breadth of you know boxes to check off you know that would really be an appealing alternative to hodgson i think the biggest thing though is that i actually have corrections experience worked in a jail worked in a prison we're speaking with out of our mayor Paul Haru, a candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. Take your calls uh, at 508-996-0500 and take messages on the app chat if you want to send them. So, uh, Mayor Haru, there was recently a, a Supreme Judicial Court case that came down uh, that had ruled in favor of Sheriff Hodgson, um, you know, to charge inmates for jail calls. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, he called it a win for taxpayers. I, I, you know, I'd interviewed you about that uh, some a few months ago. And um, they, you know, you had said it's not a sophisticated approach to corrections, basically, that uh, it's going to lose money in the wrong, wrong, uh, long run because having steady contact with the outside world is going to re uh, is going to reduce recidivism or someone's likelihood to reoffend and end up back in prison. Now, the, the state legislature did um, try to ameliorate that. They offer a $20 million uh, trust fund to pay for inmate jail calls. And I guess the question is, do you think that what the state legislator did in response to the SJC ruling is sufficient um, to solve this problem? No, I don't think it, it's, it was necessary, but not sufficient. It was, it was the, a good step in the right direction. So the, the bigger picture is you, you know, very uh, you know, as you painted it and described it very well, is that, you, you know, for inmates, when they're going back into society, maintaining contact with uh, friends and family helps facilitate prisoner reentry upon discharge. And that's, you know, crucial. Um, if you start charging uh, inmates, if they lose that contact, that's going to actually increase the likelihood of recidivism, reoffending. Or if you if the families decide to put money up, then that money is actually, you know, being borne by those families. They're also taxpayers. So as a as if you want to take an approach that's going to help reduce the reoffending, you know, then, you know, that's necessary. And you, and you accurately describe that. Um, as far as the legislature goes, this, yes, the Supreme Court, you know, state Supreme Judicial Court, they, um, by the letter of the law, they ruled the right way. 
the, yeah. the law it was like you know the law was clear on the its law face. was clear yeah. yeah but it doesn't mean it was a good law and so no. instead of changing the law what the legislature did is they put this 20 million dollars into a trust fund instead of actually just changing the law say you know and saying that you um you know can't do this yeah which would have probably made more sense so they really they they really needed to do surgery and instead what they gave it was some pills you know yeah. and so in the pills is the, the money into good. the surgery would have been the changing of the law you know it's just so i think that you know they hopefully the legislature does the right thing and they actually change the law in a way that makes it so that uh, you can't obstruct contact you know and um, now I'm not talking about um, letting inmates stay on the phone four, five, six hours a day talking to their girlfriend. That's not what happens. The average yeah. call, I think, is like 14 minutes a day. Right. You know, that's what it does. And a lot of these inmates, they're, you know, maintaining that contact is, is crucial for prisoner reentry. So, like I said, the, the legislature, they, they did a step in the right direction, but they gave a, a pill instead of surgery. Can you take a call? Uh, certainly. Okay. Can't promise it'll be nice. That's but. okay. <laughs> Good evening. Thanks for holding. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, I'm fine. Uh, as a uh, corrections employee for 39 and a half years, um, I've seen it all from a maximum prison to a minimum, a medium, pre-releases. And um, what works is being tough on them. It does work. They get plenty of programs, plenty of programs that they choose to take or not take. They're not forced to take them or not take them. They're not forced to do any work inside the prison if they don't want to. They get plenty of rights inside a prison. And your approach to being, I, I look at being soft, is not working across the country, being soft on people who committed crimes. How about talking more about the victims of the people who committed crimes against them? I mean, they're the ones who need some help sometimes. But when they go in jail, they get everything. They get three square meals. They get programs, free activities. And they're on the phone for more than 14 minutes, at least in the state system. Don't know about the county. Haven't done a lot of work in the county. But I talk to people who work in the county. They're on the phone for a long time. And we, the taxpayers, should pay for that. They should pay for their own phone calls. We pay for our own phone calls on the street. You get free phone calls at home? I don't think so. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Lot to unpack there, but uh, what's your response? So, first of all, thank you for your 39 years of service as a correctional professional. Um, and my uh, comment about the 14 minutes is the average of 14 minutes. And so you can get an average by uh, people. It's not a long time either. It's not. No, it's an average. But you can get a, um, an average by, you know, calculating people that speak for one or two minutes also with people that speak for three or four hours. Yeah. You know, so th the average is 14 minutes. As far as your experience, though, goes, you know, saying being tough on crime, if you're going to run an environment that is going to help rehabilitate people and, you know, going to set them up for success upon release, um, being tough on them is basically counterproductive. And that's what all the research shows. Now, you have your 39 years of experience, but is your is that representative of the entire uh, profession of corrections, where it's been measured, where it's been evaluated in, you know, in objective manners in a lot of different places. You're the, you know, to say that, you know, you know, I have a soft on crime approach. That's actually, it's, it's clear that is what my opposition is going to want to try and paint me as. Mm -hmm. It's not being soft. It's being smart. 
Okay, it's using research, looking at the data, um, going by best practices to reducing recidivism. And if you're just going to try and say, okay, I'm going to make life miserable for you and I'm going to be tough on you and tough on you. And, you know, what you're doing is you're modeling for people who have already had, you know, a, a lot of pretty poor models that, hey, when you go back into society, hey, this is how the government treated me. This is how I'm going to treat the government. This is how I'm going to treat other people. I'm going to be tough on them. You know, so you're not actually being the best role model. Um, but, the, you know, you really, it's this kind of ridiculous um, soft on crime, tough on crime dichotomy. I mean, you know, it's, it's really you got to be smart on crime. Okay, mm -hmm. And when somebody comes to a jail or a prison, care, custody, control, and rehabilitation, that's what your job is. Now, if you want to say these guys are criminals, guess what? They've already been judged. The job of a corrections professional at any level is not to judge people people who have already been judged. Yeah. The job of a corrections professional is care, custody, control, and rehabilitation, you know, when, um, it, when somebody wants that, you know, they've already been judged. And so, you know, um, you know, I, I respect the, uh, the caller's 39 years of uh, service as a correction professional. I think that's, you know, it's a really tough environment. I've worked in jail and I've worked in prison. Um, you know, my, and when I was working in uh, Philadelphia in the jail system, my office was in B1. That's the intake, um, you know, 100, uh, 100 inmates, 100 admissions a day, actually closer to 95 admissions a day. And I, you know, walked by 95 people lined up, you know, on the right side of the wall every day going in there. You know, so it, it's a very tough environment. But... Again, you know, this soft on crime, tough on crime dichotomy is it's just political nonsense. You know, if I can add um, 39 and this isn't the, any particular correctional officers mm -hmm. like fault or, or or doing it's a policy. It's po policy decisions that are way above most of our heads. But, um, you know, in the last 39 or so years or the last, you know, 30, 40 years, I mean, we've seen a ballooning of the uh, prison population, right? We've seen a lot of the results of the, the the tough on crime approach and how, frankly, disaster it's it's been for our criminal justice system and our in our correction system. Yeah. And, and what does that mean? Oh, I'm going to be tough on crime. What does that mean? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna make life miserable for somebody, then say, okay, you don't like it in my jail system, don't come back. How is that a rehabilitative environment? Who's addressing somebody with an anger management problem or a drug addiction problem? Right. How is you know that it's just you know it's a nice talking point. Oh, nobody's going to be tough on crime than me, but it doesn't really mean anything. It, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it is, it is not supported by the research, you know? So, I mean, like I said, this whole tough on crime, soft on crime dichotomy is, is a ridiculous political, you know, uh, uh, attack, you know, f uh, from one side to the other. Um, what you have to do is you gotta be smart on crime. And, you know, again, the people that are in there, you know, the, you're, you go to jail, for a misdemeanor or you're awaiting trial. You go to prison for a felony. So you're dealing with people who are either awaiting trial and they haven't yet been judged. Um, so they still are supposed to be that, yeah. that presumption of innocence, supposed to have that. You know, right. and I know it's really difficult for people to resist that urge um, or they've committed a misdemeanor and that's why they're in there. That's why they're in jail. Um, but again, they've already been judged. Our, our, our job is care, custody, control, and rehabilitation. And, you know, to, yeah, they, they do get programs and, and that's how it's supposed to be. But we can't just say, okay, they get programs, they're getting everything. Nobody's talking about giving them everything. Nobody's talking about running a country club. Nobody wants to do that. You know, it's, um, you want to run a modern jail system where you're offering programming and programming that works and you're measuring that. And if it doesn't work, you report on that and you, you, you know, go to something that does. We're speaking with uh, Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. You can, uh, we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out tonight. He'll be back tomorrow, but I'm still joined by Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haru. Again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we're, we'll, to be, we'll be taking your calls. We did get a call in the first segment, at uh, um, and you, we'll, we'll be taking your calls if you want to call in at 508-996-0500. And if you have a question for Mayor Haru, we'll also be taking your messages on the WBSM app chat as well, and I will read them uh, on the air. Uh, if I like them. So, um, Mayor Haru, we were talking a little bit off air, but there is, um, there's, I guess in this debate, been, and maybe there shouldn't be some discussion around the sheriff's role with respect to immigration enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. Sheriff Hodgson had a contract with Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, to have a holding cell, uh, a holding facility for people that are awaiting immigration proceedings. That contract was terminated by the Biden administration. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the role of the sheriff in immigration enforcement? Well, you know, in Massachusetts, a sheriff should be running a county jail. That's what a sheriff should be doing here. You run the county jail. Um, you know, if you have people who are, you know, illegal immigrants in your uh, system, you know, and the federal government wants information on them, you give it to them. But the role of immigration issues is a federal government issue. Yeah. Now, as an elected official, you can take on any issue you want. You know, that's, you know, the, the, being a politician, you're, you have that uh, flexibility. You know, the, the people vote for you, um, you know, and you can take up any issue you want. So, you know, Hodgson has basically, you know, he, he had this contract with ICE. He poorly managed it. It was mismanaged, you know, his, his treatment of, uh, you know, detainees, and he lost the contract. Um, he says it was political. I, my response to that is very simple. Did every Republican in the country lose their ICE contract? No, you did because you mismanaged it. It's that simple. Um, but, you know, the role of the Bristol County Sheriff is to run a county jail, uh, care, custody, control, rehabilitation. That's their job. You can use your uh, bully pulpit and that political position to, you know, address the uh, immigration issue, you know, and, you know, but really the job, it's Congress's job to do something about the immigration issue. Um, you know, they are the ones who need to reform our laws. You know, the Bristol County Sheriff, whoever that may be, or any sheriff, um, you know, who's not a border sheriff, their job is, you know, they can go ahead and advocate, but they're, other than just advocating, they're really, they're not doing much. Um, so, yeah, it's an emotional issue. It's an, it's a hot button issue. It's an issue that, you know, gets people really fired up. Um, but it's, it's a federal government issue. It's not really, you know, and, and Hodge, oh my God, we got these, all these illegals in my jail. And it's like, yeah, fine. You know, you treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter if, if you have somebody who's there, who's illegal, undocumented, you treat them the same as you do everybody else. That's, we don't judge, you know, a, a jail administrator, you know, regardless of who it is, the correctional professional shouldn't be judging the people who have already been judged. Care, custody, control, rehabilitation. We treat everybody the same. Um, now, some people need different levels of security because they might, uh, you know, be a, a bigger knucklehead than somebody else who, you know, is a first timer. You know, so that you don't treat those people the same. You know, they, they they determine their own, but you know, their level of security. But generally, you you, you treat people with the same level of. Um, you know, humanity that you would everybody else. So, uh, you know, the caller alluded to this um, in the first segment, but 
uh, there's that question of like, oh, well, what do you say to the victims of the crimes uh, that these um, individuals absolutely perpetrated or may or may have perpetrated? And, you know, you're being too nice to them or you're not taking them into consideration. What do you think the res- the, the smart on crime response is to um, a charge like that? To rehabilitate them so they don't do it again. Right. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. You know, OK, oh, you're, you're giving them programs, you're giving them everything. Well, yeah, so they don't go out and victimize again. You, if, if the alternative is, oh, I'm going to make life miserable for you and I'm going to be tough on you, you know, and you better not do it again. If you do it again, you're coming right back here. Guess what? If you come right back here, guess what happened? You victimize somebody else. Right. So that is such a short-sighted, myopic approach to the victim to say, oh, I'm going to be tough on them and they, they harmed you, so I'm going to stick it to them. Get, well, you, first of all, you're not there to stick it to them. People go to jail or prison as punishment. Your loss of freedom yeah. is your punishment. You don't go to jail or prison for punishment. There's a difference. You go to jail, at you lose your freedom. So you, you, we're not, we shouldn't be judging people that have already been judged, uh, number one. But as far as the victim goes, again, if we rehabilitate these people properly... You know, by having the right atmosphere, and it's not a country club atmosphere. You know, you 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 hold people accountable. You know, you you make sure the programs. Sometimes these programming, the programs that people can go through, um, can be really tough on people. Yeah. You know, the programming can be. It's, it's a lot of, um, you know, self reflection, self revelation, changing of your behavior, changing of your thoughts, your you know your your attitudes towards things. Um, so yeah, there that that can be a tough growth process for a lot of people. But for the victims, yeah, my approach will actually keep you safer. My approach is actually thinking about you more than just, you know, talking like a tough guy. Yeah, I mean, I used to visit um, Houses of Correction as a defense attorney, and uh, I didn't like it, and I got to leave. Uh, and, yeah, I, the, the country club atmosphere of, of you know, just, you know, saying to treat people more decently as a country club atmosphere is, I, yeah, very, well, very no, misguided. What, what, you know, Hodgson likes to do is paint, it's, it's, it's classic politics, politics 101. You know, you're going to paint your opponent as the thing that people don't want mm-hmm. you know oh yeah he's going to run a country club what's the evidence i'm going to run a country club where where's the evidence you know what is that you know you, you just you're just making stuff up okay so you know they they say that because it paints a picture in the mind of the voter that is going to dr- make the voter be afraid oh be afraid of this guy be afraid of this candidate he's gonna be soft on them he's gonna run a country club oh that's not what i want i want these people to be held accountable it's it's a it's just it's it's fallacious it's you know it's a fictitious it's being it's just making up it's painting your opponent in a way because you think that is um what is going to turn people off of your opponent okay but you know what it is it's disingenuous and if if an opponent is going to uh like an, a candidate is going to be disingenuous about that what else is the opponent going to be disingenuous about so i would you know just i would say Where's the evidence that I'm going to, you know, I or anybody else, not Hodgson, is going to run a country club? He's just saying that because he's trying to drive fear into people. It's just more fear mongering. So we, um, we're we speaking with Mayor Paul Haru, uh, Adel- uh, Mayor of Attleboro, Paul Haru, who's the, um, who's the candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. Also taking your calls if you want to call in at 508-996-0500. So um, the Astry Jail is... Some say the argue, you know, what's one of those things? Is this the oldest place in the country? Is that the oldest place in the country? But the Astry Jail is arguably the oldest correctional facility in the country. Um, and even 40 years ago, you can find old clippings in the Standard Times uh, of the conditions there being 
untenable for um, inmates and even corrections officers. Uh, I've had Sheriff Hassanani's defended um, keeping the Astrid Jail um, up. Uh, what's your position? Uh, if you were to be elected sheriff, would you maintain the Astrid Jail or would you shutter it in favor of some other um, improvements in Dartmouth? Well, we'd like to shut it down, but you have to be smart about the way you shut it down. Uh, we can't cause, you know, fix one problem over here with an out of date jail and cause another problem over here. You know, so we, we have to be careful. So, um, the issue is, from in my mind, um, what we're going to do with the inmates we have in Ash Street, where do we put them that's not going to lead to further overcrowding in the other facilities in the county? And so um, that's the the big issue for me. So, yes, do I want to close Ash Street? I, I think there's a pretty compelling reason to close Ash Street. You know, it's... Um, but we don't want to cause other problems in the process. So uh, if elected, that's something I would work towards. But again, it wouldn't happen on day one. I'm not going to make the mistake that Barack Obama made when he, and I'm big, I, I like Barack Obama, I'm a big fan, but when he said, we're going to close Gitmo, yeah, it yeah. wasn't that simple. You know, right. it was, um, you know, yet what are you going to do with the people? You know, so you got to be realistic, you, you know, it, that that's that's my um my th well, those are my thoughts on that. So basically, you know, you move towards closing it, but you know, you have to consider uh they, there'd have to be adequate space at that facility or perhaps even another facility to to house the inmates that are there. Well, yeah, if you take the you know if you have uh you know five jails and you're going to close one of them, you know the the people that are in that one jail, you know they're going to you know you're going to increase the populations of the others. Um, you know, so you have to make sure you spread them. Uh, appropriately, you know, put this, you know, it, there's all different types of inmates. First thing I have your, um, your people who are waiting trial, then you've got your sentence, then you've got different levels of sentence, you know, depending on what your classification is. Um, so, you know, you, you could cause more problems than you're solving by closing Ash Street Jail. So I think the, the commitment is, is there, uh, you know, my commitment to closing Ash Street but also doing it responsibly. And so I think that's, um, you know, some advocates want to hear, oh, he's going to close it. He's going to close it right away. Yes, that's wonderful. I, I, again, you got you to be smart about these things. You can't just run around, you know, just say, yeah, I'm going to close Barack Obama made that mistake with Gitmo, you know, saying it, and Gitmo was still open when he yeah. left office. And as a mayor of a, you know, executive of a municipal government, I think you understand there's certain level of practicalities to the reforms that you want to, um, that you want to put together. We're speaking with Attleboro Mayor uh, Paul Haru, candidate for uh, Bristol County Sheriff. So you talked a lot about having types of programs, getting people, uh, you know, good reentry planning. What specifically, what types of programs would you like to see at the Bristol County House of Correction that aren't that aren't there now, or uh, which would you like to improve on? So the first thing we do is um, find out what is being offered. You know, now you have a list of stuff that's on the Bristol County website right now, and you know, you look at what is being offered and what's the goal of that program. Is the goal to reduce recidivism, reoffending? Is the goal to improve, you know, uh, your, I don't know, your, your parental uh, skills, you know, when you go back in? Is it, you know, so first thing we do is we actually measure what it is that we're offering. And if something works and it's meeting, it's, you know, there's a really, um, it's, it's not, 
an easy thing to do, you know, to measure programs. Um, it's something that I have a skill set and I can do it. You know, I was a research director at the Mass DOC, statistician in the Philadelphia jail system, so I've got the skill set to do it. Um, but it, it's a science, though. You know, in measuring programs, um, you need a treatment group, you need a control group, and, you know, they make sure the two are the same. You look at, you know, post-release, you know, what happens to, be, you know, with their uh, criminal behavior afterwards. Um, and I'm kind of just glossing over it. But the... You know, so you first thing you do is you find out what works. And if it works, good, do more of it. You know, if it doesn't work, you look at why doesn't it work? Do, you know, is the, is the fidelity, you know, the, the structure and content of the program not um, where it should be? Are, are the, uh, is the staff not properly trained to administer the program? Do they not have the right materials? Are the wrong inmates getting it? Because you use a risk assessment score and put people in programs based on risk and needs. Um, so you need to look at those things. And if the, if the, you know, sometimes you got to get rid of a program if it's not if it's not delivering the outcome it's supposed to, and you know, recidivism is just one outcome. So that's that's the first thing we do, though. And again, that moves towards finding out if we are actually running a house of correction. You know, if we're supposed to be correcting behavior, um, we have to know if what we're doing works. Current sheriff, the incumbent, he's been there 25 years, never measured any programs. You know, and it's okay not to um, have a program that. Well, it's, 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 let's put it like this. If you measure a program and you find out it doesn't work, that's okay to find out it doesn't work. It's what you do with that information. If a program doesn't work, the next thing you have to do is do something with that information. You have to do something about it. When I, when I had him on, I, I'd asked him about that in particular, and he had said, you know, our recidivism, you know, because you talked about a higher recidivism rate, and what he had said was, well, the mass DOC has a, di you know, the, the definition of recidivism is something that hasn't necessarily been pinned down. The mass DOC has, uh, and the sheriffs, uh, the sheriffs, county sheriffs across the Commonwealth have different definitions of what recidivism is, I believe is what he said. Yeah. And that they're working on trying to find a formula that works to reduce recidivism. What would you say to that? Uh, he does, he's, he's, you know, kind of BSing you. So here's the thing is that you, first of all, you don't need to have a uniform definition of recidivism from one county to the next or for, to the state. Uh, I I'm actually not a believer in comparing one county to another county on the rate of recidivism. If you were to try to compare, you need to have a uniform definition. Um, that way you can start to think about, you know, comparing one county to another county. But, you know, you can measure, uh, well, first of all, this measuring the rate of recidivism is different than measuring whether or not a program actually works which uses a measure of recidivism. The rate of recidivism is, you know, just the general rate is for everybody in that um, county population. And, you know, so it, your, your definition of recidivism can be, you know, if you were readmitted to um, the jail or if you were rearrested, those are two different things. You know, it might be if you were re-sentenced uh, or if you were reconvicted, those are also different. So, what, you know, you're, you just have to come up with your uh, definition of it, and then you can look at what your rate is, you know, based on that definition. You can have multiple definitions. You can say the rate of recidivism for, um, you know, a rearrest for a reconviction for a resentence. You know, those are three different levels, and it's going to be lower and lower as you go up, you know, as you get closer to incarceration. Um, over what period of time? Six months, one year, two years, three years. You know, it, so... You know, that's different than measuring whether or not a program works. So what he did was give you lip service to something that he's basically just kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, well, you know, the, you know what, if, when I was working in the Philadelphia jail system, I looked at 
um, every inmate admitted and discharged over a seven-year period of time. It was about 240,000 rows of information um, on Excel spreadsheets, you know, and it was one of the largest recidivism studies. It's, you can find it, you know, on my website. Um, it's, you know, it was a 60-page report or so. And, you know, so... It, it's it's a it's one of the only studies that the county Philadelphia has ever had. Um, you know, it took me many months to do it. You know, I mean, that's that what that he said was just a bunch of BS. You know, he's he's just he's he's spinning running circles around the issue because he hasn't really done it himself. As a um, as a corrections administrator, and of course we're taking our calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. As a corrections administrator, you also have a duty um, to take care of your uh, employees. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sheriff Hodgson has talked about, uh, he talked about it on my show. He said, you know, I, I'd said there are some people that say that people at the Bristol County House of Correction are, that work there are not happy. And he says, of course they're not happy. And I mean, it's, I think everybody's felt dejected. They haven't gotten enough support from the state. They're not getting, uh, it's a difficult time to be a corrections officer. As um, a, do you think that Sheriff Hodgson is um, a good administrator of his uh, corrections officers? What would you do differently than him? Well, uh, I don't know well enough what he does I've only heard what he does, and what I've been told may not be representative. It might be disgruntled former employees or current employees. Um, as I as I campaign, I talk to people who you know used to work in the jail or they still do, and I haven't really heard too many good things. You know, they just they, they say, "Oh, I hated working there." You know, he's terrible to work for. He passes people over for promotions, and you know, people um, you know a lot of favoritism. Um, you know, if you if you're one of his political cronies, you know, you might you know move up the ladder. You know, but it's um, you know people that came in under different a different sheriff. You know, uh, Nelson. You know, you know he would say, "Okay, I'm not going to promote you because you came in under Nelson. I'll promote somebody else that came in under me." You know, favoritism type stuff. So I, I hear these stories now. In fairness, you know, are these representative? You know, these might be just the disgruntled current and former employees. You know, and um, be, you know, I, I have to concede that. You know, I will admit that. Are they representative? I hear it over and over again, but you know, I, I don't have an answer to that. You know, so it looks like you have another call. Yeah, let's let's take it. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hi, this is a really great show. I'm I'm enjoying this because this is this is an important uh, race. Good. Um, and Sheriff Hodgson's been there for 24 years. 25. 25. So <laughs> I, I think I think it's time for a change. And you uh, have got uh, Paul Haru have got a lot of education and and a lot of experience in in this in this area so it it, it this you sound really great so i'm going to check out your website yeah thank you paulhero.org yeah, yeah. 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 easy yeah. enough to find yeah yeah great 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 show i enjoy it it's it's very informative and it, it's exciting it's forward thinking you know mm -hmm. to change uh the route that we're going in i think everybody wants change yeah Thank yeah. you so much for the call. Yeah. I appreciate that. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Bye. Th that's a perfect lead into the question I was going to ask you. I have to take a break, so can I ask you when, I get, when we get back? Sure. Whatever. All right, great. I'm, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Just Marcus today. McCarthy will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to it. But I got one more question for Attleboro Mayor and Bristol County Sheriff Candidate Paul Haru. Uh, Sheriff Hodgson's been in office for 25 years. Um, you know, he is uh, – he's – 
had obviously a lot of success in mm-hmm. elections against formidable candidates. Um, how are, how do you plan to win in uh, November if you were the nominee? So uh, it's a good question, and it's uh, it's not an easy race. You know, we're, I'm up against somebody who has tremendous name recognition um, that helps him and hurts him, and you know he um, has a lot of followers. Um, he has two hundred eighty thousand dollars in his campaign account, and that's up against my fifty-seven thousand um, dollars. So th- I've never lost a race. I've had uh, eight competitive races. Five of them I've come in over sixty percent. One of them I came in over seventy percent. Um, but this is the first race that I, you know, it, it, there, there's a chance that I could lose. I mean, I could always. There's always a chance, you know. But this is not going to be an easy race. But there is a path to victory. This is a winnable race. Um, I did some polling to find out if there was an opening before I got into the race. There definitely was. Hodgson is vulnerable, um, you know, and somebody who's been around for 25 years. That. Why do you think he's vulnerable? Why um, his brand of politics is not what the the majority uh, appreciate, you okay. know, and so and that's just putting it in its most objective terms. Okay, um, you know, he is a Trump Republican. Um, he was by Trump's side as much as possible during Trump's tenure as uh, president, and Trump lost Bristol County. Um, now Hodgson's been trying to distance himself a little bit, you know, seem more like a moderate. He's not. You know, he should just own the fact that he is a far right conservative, you know, and, you know, just it's that's what he is. And that's what Trump wants to be. And, you know, so he's vulnerable there, um, you know, but my path to victory, though, it's to run a traditional um, all hands on deck, you know, all approaches campaign, door knocking, phone banking, sign holding, uh, digital media, you know, fa- uh, you know, the mailings, you know, yard signs, um, you know, it's, it's to, mm-hmm. you know, try and hit as much as possible. Um, you know, and I, I, as of right now, I don't have nearly as much money as Hodgson, but you need money to move your message. So that is, you know, that's a challenge that I have to overcome. He hasn't had an opponent in 12 years. And so he's had 12 years to save up. I just you know, finished up my last race for mayor in November. And then, you know, within a week or two, I was looking at what I was going to run for next. And then, you know, in early January, I decided on this one. So, you know, he's, he's had 12 years to build up $280,000. I started this race with uh, basically $30 and a website. You could say I started with $300 and no website, but I, you know, I renewed it. And so anyway, sure. but yeah, I started with basically $30 and a website and, um, you know, but I, I've got tremendous supporters with, uh, Bristol County for Correctional Justice, uh, Marlene Pollock and Betty Usach, um, you know, uh, Raphael and Eli, uh, Ned, Alex, you know, they, they, you know, Laurie, mm-hmm. Laurie Bullard, you know, they've been, they've been fantastic. They've been such a great group. Um, you know, but we, we're running a really, um, you know, grassroots campaign We're we're doing all the things we're supposed to be doing. And, um, ultimately it's going to come down to what the voters want. Um, but you know, unfortunately money does influence that money has a big part of that because if you don't have money to move your message, then, you know, the voters might not get, you know, that other message. So that, that's the tough part about politics though, is, you know, you, you do need money to move your message. Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haru, I thank you for joining me. Um, before I let you go, where can people go to learn more about you and your campaign? Uh, best place is my website, paulharrow.org. Great. Thank you very much for joining me, and uh, we'll definitely see you here again uh, soon. Great. Thanks, Marcus. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out for the night. He's back tomorrow, Friday. 
for um, for for South Coast tonight. And uh, that was Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. Um, we'll be having other candidates on as well to include Sheriff Hodgson. Uh, I've actually spoken with him recently. He'll he'll be on uh, soon um, with uh, with Chris. I know Chris would have probably had some great questions for Attleboro Mayor uh, Paul Haru, uh, the candidate that was just in. But that was a good discussion. I thought that um, that that Mayor Haru and I had. Uh, and um, definitely an interesting race. Again, one that's getting a lot of statewide attention, some national attention uh, as well. And you should definitely, um, definitely pay attention to it. It's, it's probably the most important countywide race, right? That's that's going on right now. Um, definitely the one that is uh, most covered and most watched. And so we'll be bringing you a lot of coverage of it. So. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. And some calls come through. Uh, we had a couple callers ask Mayor Haru some questions. One of the things I like about uh, this new uh, this uh, format, too, is that you can call the candidate directly. You can app chat and you can ask them questions, uh, you know, much like uh, Tim does with Mayor Mitchell uh, every uh, every um Every Wednesday, uh, you can do that with the candidates here as well, and some of the and, and the great guests uh, that we have. We know we got a lot of calls with uh, Will Senat yesterday, as well, and um, talk a little bit uh, about what's going on with the you know the Work and Family Mobility Act, the effort to repeal it. We'll talk about some other things, maybe cover the sheriff's race a little bit more, uh, and of course, we'll be taking your calls. Whatever you want to talk about at five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. That's how you can. Um, that's how you can get uh, on the program. A lot of positive reactions to the segments that we've been having over the uh, over the last week, including the most recent caller, and we really do appreciate it. It's what gets us. Uh, it's what um, it's what keeps us going. You know, it's what keeps us going. Uh, I really am enjoying this show so much uh, uh, in its first week, and I hope you're enjoying it too. So we'll, we'll I'll see you on the other side, uh, the nine o'clock hour, and we'll open lines. Take uh, take your calls. We'll talk about whatever you want.